So I'll turn to the person next to you and say it right in their face. Merry Christmas. There you go. And I encourage you to do that even in the stores when they tell you happy holiday. Just turn back and say Merry Christmas to you too. So what is that, that, that word Merry Christmas? What, what are we saying and what's the, what's the music that's playing? I've been listening to Classy FM for the last several days and I didn't realize there were so many renditions of chestnuts roasting on an open fire. The last one was by Elvis, which was interesting. So we got this Merry Christmas thing going. What does it mean? Well, first of all, the word Merry. It actually means to be lively, to be exuberant, to be joyful. And Christmas, Christ's Mass. Welcome to the Messiah's table. Did you know that in the Gospel of Luke, there are 16 dinner parties that Jesus either attends or describes. And for Jesus, the dinner party was not some way for him to get away from, from the stresses of life, to chill, or because Chick-fil-A wasn't serving on Sunday. For Jesus, the table was actually connecting life with life. It was is how we do life. For Jesus, it was the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships. And the table, the Christ mass, the table is all about relationships. And so my question for us today is, who sits at your table? I was thinking back to all the Christmases that I've had with my family, and when I think back to Christmas as a child and the Christmas dinner, here's what I think of. The kids' table. How many of you sat at the kids' table? Yeah. It was the village of the banished. You were voted off the island. All the good food was at the big table. All the important people were at the big table. All the fun was at the big table. You're going to read about this, that this week when you read through the Essential Jesus, which is the book we're going through, and every week we have five readings from the Holy Scriptures describing who Jesus is. If you don't have that book, stop by the media desk, pick it up. It's $10. It'll take us through Easter. Uh, if you, don't, if it, you can't afford that, just say, it's a, I'd like it as a gift, and we'll give it to you as a gift. This week you're going to be reading through readings 46 through 50, and then we're going to pause for a couple of weeks and pick up in January. You'll see that in your service folder. And so we're going to talk about today, as we do, we talk about what you're going to be reading. We want to talk a little bit about that, that table today. Jesus was invited to a prominent religious leader's house for a dinner party. Now, don't get too excited about it because Jesus was not invited because he was deeply loved by the religious leader, but he was keeping an eye on Jesus because Jesus was messing with the proper order of life. So they invited Jesus, and the people that are normally invited to these gatherings, these kind of prominent, prestigious gatherings, include bishops, if you will, and, and, and Heisman Trophy winners, and senators, and doctors, and Angelina and Brad. Those people show up. 
So it was really obvious that this one person, this one person who seemed to be standing off to the side, did not fit in. He wasn't one of those types of people. In fact, Luke, who recorded this, being a doctor, noticed that he had a, had a severe physical ailment called dropsy. It is where the body contains fluid and then it creates abnormal swelling in both the hands and the legs and it's pretty obvious. And in the first century Jewish culture, people who had dropsy were noted as being sinners because they had dropsy because they were sinners. And you know that he must have been horribly uncomfortable in that setting, probably looking for the children's table. Because why should he be there? He wasn't there because of the goodwill of the Pharisee. He was there because he was a pawn to be used to trap Jesus. Because it was the Sabbath. And you can't work on the Sabbath. And healing is work. And they knew what Jesus felt about healing. And Jesus, seeing the incredible discomfort of this man in this condition, in this place, immediately goes to work. And Luke records this in Luke, the 14th chapter. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Did Jesus just break the fourth commandment? So Jesus clarifies. He goes on to say this. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son... Or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you, immediately pull, will you not immediately pull him out? And again, they had nothing to say. There, there's a church in Northeast, I'm sorry, there's a church in East Springfield, close to the fire station. And in Sunday gatherings such as this, no matter where they are in the order of service, that when the siren goes off and the volunteer firemen get up and leave, the church stops at that moment and they begin to pray for whoever is connected to that emergency. It is not an interruption to the service. It is actually an opportunity to serve. And so Jesus says, if your son or a son falls into a well, will you finish verse 4 of Amazing Grace or will you get up and go help? Even if an ox falls, will you not go take care of your livelihood? And is not this man who is hurting so deeply, is he not worth that also? The danger is getting so wrapped up in our dogma that we lose the divine. So Jesus' dinner table tells us the journey is about people. Always about people. Not order. Now, I don't know what you think about Pope Francis, and I really don't care. But he has created controversy because he has messed with the order. He says the church sometimes has locked itself up in small things and small-minded rules, and the most important thing is the first proclamation, Jesus Christ has saved you. Who do we keep from the table because of our small things? Our traditions, our bias, our gossip, our unforgiving, our stereotyping, our inability to see somebody who's deeply hurting. Have those things pushed them away from the table because we know this, 
that Jesus said when they get to the table, I'll heal them no matter what the rules say. And so he does. But Jesus wasn't done at that moment. He didn't like the seating arrangement. In the first century, if you were invited to a dinner party, you would enter in, and, and, and how they would set this up would be with a series of couches. I think we may have a picture for you. And so the, the men would come to the party, and they would recline while they eat. Most of us do that now in front of the football game. But this is how they would eat. And so if you're seated in the couch, there would be three to a couch. And if you sat in the middle of the couch, you were the most honorable person on the couch, and the people on either side of you were less honorable. That's the way you would sit. Now, what they would do is they would set up, as you see, the couches in a U-shape. And if you wanted to be more honorable, you would sit at the head couch, at the very top of the U. And if you were the most honorable person there, you would sit in the center of the head couch, and then the person on the right of left of you would be more honorable than the other people on the other couches, and then you would move to the left couch, was more honorable than the right couch. And if you happen to be seated at the very end of the right couch, you were the less honorable of anybody. And Jesus said, I have a problem with what you're doing here because you guys are all coming in and you're talking with each other, but I'm watching you. You are manipulating your way. You're clamoring about trying to get the most prestigious, honorable places to sit. We do the same. We walk into a meeting. We walk into a Christmas party. And we look around and go, well, how do I look? You don't say it out loud, but you say, do I look okay? Do I look as good as she does? Do I look as good as, am, 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 am I dressed right? Did, was I supposed to wear a tie? What, 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 and, and we're trying to see where our rank is. We start talking, and, and we've, got to, we've got to contribute the right information so that people will see the value in who we are. We've got to throw out the information we know. We maybe want to throw out some of our titles, and we certainly want to drop names. You know, the other day when I was talking to the mayor, we just, we, we've got to get the right stuff in the right place so that we feel like we have value. But when we get home, and we strip all that stuff off. And we put on our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle jammies. <laughs> and we think, what really is my value? I said, well, I just need to figure out. I just need to figure out where my rank is because if, if that person's there, I'm not quite there, but, but I'm better than that person. And so I have my value according to my rank. At Jesus' table, life is about enjoying each other, never ranking each other. So at this party, no doubt Jesus was at the right couch at the end, which he didn't mind at all because around him were the people who would understand his teaching more so than the people at the head table. For Jesus then says this, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself 
will be humbled. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. I recently gave a book to a friend called Reversed Mentoring. The concept of the book, from my perspective, is this, that we've got to get together with each other and stop ranking each other and instead enjoy each other and listen to each other, and we will learn some important things about life. For in Jesus' world, there is no order of rank other than Jesus is Lord and then there's us. That's it. There is no other rank. And what he does is he connects us together. So when Scotty and I are out having coffee, there's no rank. It's in fact, we just start enjoying each other and we listen to each other talk about life and talk about our stories and we learn from each other. It's the way that Jesus does designed it. And then the problem is this, if I try to begin to exalt myself, I will find a culture that is much better at it than I am, and I will be trampled in the stampede. So we know this about Jesus. He did not even consider equality with God something to be held on to. But he humbled himself so that he could hang out with us, and he could have dinner with us, and he could listen to us, and enjoy us, and even learn what it's like to be a human. I find it amazing that the first two groups invited by God to worship Jesus were both pauper shepherds and rich royals. If we humble ourselves, humble means this. To be humble means not seeking seeking rank, but relationship. We have opportunity to learn from each other, to enjoy each other. And in the end, our value will not then be determined by what we've achieved and our accomplishments on the wall or the trophies in the case. But instead, it will be dependent upon who we shared life with. So I, with several others from this community of faith, sat at a memorial service yesterday for Tooney Hedrick, fire chief at Meadville, been part of this congregation and this family for a long time. And I listened to them as they, as they talked about him, well-respected, well-trained, and, and a whole long list of accomplishments. But when they said, does anybody have anything to say, and several hundred people there, they started passing the mic around, and it wasn't about his achievements, it was about how he shared life with people. And they were so impacted and I loved it because the story came out that when Detuni was so humble that when people would, he'd meet somebody, they'd say, what do you do? He wouldn't say, I'm fire chief. He'd say, I'm part of the fire department. Because he wasn't interested in rank. He was interested in, in relationship and what he could do to fill someone else's life. See, if we do this right, if we share life right, our list of accomplishments will just be people and that, that list will contain both paupers and princes. Because we love both, we value both, we learn from both. We enjoy both. And that's what happens at Jesus' table. And that's why Jesus loves a good party. And this was not a good party. This is everything a party should not be. Because they didn't care about a man they should care about, and they cared more about a seat they shouldn't care about. And they invited the wrong people. Because this was more about comfort and reciprocity. It's more about reciprocal action. 
Because, because if I invite you to my party, then you will invite me to your party, and then we will have this, this dinner party circuit that we're all part of. And then if I get to know you, then you're going to invite me to the Erie Club to hang with you, and I'll be on the social page, and then, and then you're going to let me be on your yacht, and it's all about me getting what I can because of what and who I've invited. I've heard people say to me, you know, I invited some folks over. I invited several people over to my house in the last year, and they've never invited me to their house. And they were, they were despondent over that. And I want to say to them, good. That's great because that is exactly the pattern Jesus established. Jesus intends that our dinner table be for one-way traffic. Say, are you serious? Well, listen to what he said. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. We go, what? Yeah. Are you saying don't hang out with your friends? No, you do that. That's community, but you've got to broaden your view. At Jesus, community is about opening our table to those who can't pay back. It's called hospitality. In the first century, that meant the love of strangers. So, welcome to the Sunday table. And if this is real, what Jesus taught, and if this is the, the way of following Jesus, that when we stand together and say, you got five minutes to greet each other, if we are intentional and missional about what Jesus has said is the way that we have table together, then during the five minutes, we don't go try to find our seat, our territory, and our people. We look around for somebody who's not connected yet. Oh, but that's uncomfortable. Blah, 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 blah. Who cares? So you go and you greet and you talk, and then, and then you invite them out for lunch after this gathering. Serious? Hardly know them. Well, yeah, that's why you have lunch, so you get to know them. You can get to know them by not being with them. Have a cup of coffee with them, and not to convince them to follow what you believe, but instead to share your stories of how you have journeyed to try to find God and Jesus and what this life is all about. Jesus makes this intentional. You just don't fall into it. And unfortunately, I'm going to tell you now, I've been doing this for 38 years, and we as your shepherds have been at fault for not telling us all that we need to keep doing this. Instead, we create places where you can come and be entertained and hang out with a couple people and say, woo, I went to church today. Yeah, but the question was, were you the church today? This is the Jesus way for followers. How many are followers of Jesus? All right, you cannot, you cannot ignore this teaching. And I'm glad we took the offering first. This is so scary because if we follow this teaching, then this would really become a service. Catch the word service. What does the word service mean? Oh, to serve. You guys are so brilliant. It means to serve instead of, you know what I got out of the service today? I don't really care. The question is, what did you do to serve today? At the table, 
should always be those from whom you get nothing back. Always. Because you will be repaid. But Jesus then goes on and says, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then Jesus immediately springs into this wonderful story about this banquet, this huge banquet, this banquet that's probably about 20 times the size of the peak's Christmas brunch. And so he sends out invitations to people to come, and, and the wording in the story seems to imply that collectively there are a whole bunch of people making excuses. One of them says, well, I just bought some property, and I'm going to go out and check it and look at it. And, and, and it's such a flimsy excuse. You're going to tell me you didn't go look at the property before you bought it? I, I just bought some oxen, and I'm going to take them for a test drive. So flimsy. I, I just married a wife, and I can't go. Henpecked already, dude? So Jesus responds, the servant came back and reported this to his master, and then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, when you or what, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told the servants, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. See, Jesus is saying... You're not coming here because you just don't feel like it. And you figured out that by looking at the people I've invited in, that because you are so much better than they are, that you can show up any time and just walk in. I'm going to tell you, that's not how I invite people. And the question is, who does Jesus invite to his table? Tony Campalo has an interesting twist. Take a look. If you go to Honolulu from the East Coast, those of you who have been there know that you wake up like at 3 o'clock in the morning and you can't get back to sleep. And um, I'm hungry. And I, I went looking for something to eat. And even at that wee hour of the morning, in a bustling city like Honolulu, you can't find a place that's open. But up a side street, I did find a place. I went in, sat down on the stool. There was a greasy spoon, no booze, just a row of stools in front of the counter in, and this fat guy with a dirty, filthy, greasy apron came out, pulled his cigar out, put it down, and said, what do you want? I didn't touch the menu. It was one of those plastic menus that grease had piled up on it, and I knew that if I opened it, something extraterrestrial would crawl out. <laughs> and so it like a cup of coffee and a donut. So he poured the coffee, and then he did this and he picked up the donut. I hate that. So I'm sitting there, 3.30 in the morning, drinking my coffee and eating this dirty donut. Into the room come about eight or nine prostitutes and they sat down on either side of me. And I tried to disappear. And the one on my immediate right said, tomorrow's my birthday, she said to her friend. I'm gonna be 39. My friend said, so what do you want me to do? Sing happy birthday? You want a cake? What, do you, what should we do? Have a party for you? You're going to be 39. First woman said, look, I don't, I'm not expecting anything. I just, why do you have to put me down? And then she said, with a crack in her voice, I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. 
I don't expect to have one now. That did it. I waited till, you know, till they all left, and I was the only one left. I called Harry over. I said, do they come in here every night? He said, yeah. I said, the one next to me? He said, Agnes. I said, tomorrow's her birthday. What do you say we decorate the place? And when she comes in tomorrow, we have a birthday party for her because I heard her say she's never had a birthday party in her whole life. He said, mister, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Jane, he called his wife out of the back room. She did the cooking. He wants to throw a birthday party for Agnes. I thought, jeez, this is great. She comes out. She grabs my hand. She says, mister, you wouldn't understand this because of what she does, you know. But she's one of the kind people in this town. She's one of the caring people in this town. I said, uh, look, can I, can I decorate the place? She said, to your heart's content. I said, I'm going to bring a birthday cake. Harry said, oh, no, the cake's my thing. I thought, oh, jeez, you know, God. <laughs> so I got there the next morning. I got there the next morning at about 2.30. I had bought crepe paper at the Kmart, strung it across the plate, place, made a big sign that said, happy birthday, Agnes, put it on the mirror behind the counter. I had the place spruced. Jane, who got, does the cooking, got the word out on the street so that by 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was squeezed into this place. I mean, people, it was wall-to-wall -wall prostitutes and me. 3.30 in the morning, the door opens. In comes Agnes and her friends. I got everybody poised, everybody ready. The minute she walked through the door, we yell, Happy birthday, Agnes, and all start cheering like mad. I've never seen anybody so stunned in my life. Her knees buckled. They steadied her and got her and sat her down on a chair. And we started singing, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, dear Agnes. And when they brought out the cake, she lost it and started to cry. Harry just stood there with the cake. And finally, he said, all right, Agnes, knock it off. Blow out the candles, Agnes. Come on, blow out the candles. She tried, and she couldn't. So he blew out the candles and handed her the knife and said, now cut the cake. Come on now, cut the cake. She sat there for a long moment, and then she said to me, is it all right if I don't cut the cake? She said, what I'd really like to do is take the cake home and show it to my mother. I said, it's your cake. She stood up. I said, do you have to do it now? She said, I live two doors down. Let me take the cake home. I'll bring it right back. I promise. She picked up the cake. She pushed through the crowd and out the door. And as the door swung slowly shut, dead silence. The whole group was stunned. I didn't know what to say. Finally, after a few uneasy moments, I said, what do you say we pray? It's weird looking back on it now. <laughs> a sociologist leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning in a diner in Honolulu was the right thing to do, and I prayed that God would deliver her from what dirty, filthy men had done to her, usually starting like it, you know, when they're about 12 or 13, and, and then they're ruined and hurt. And when I finished praying that God would make her new, that God would give her back everything that had been taken from her. I said amen and lifted my eyes, and Harry was right in my face. He said, hey, Campolo, you told me you were a sociologist. You're no sociologist. You're a preacher. 
what kind of church you belong to. And one of those moments when you come up with just the right words. I said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning. I thought that was a clever answer. I'll never forget his response. He looked back and he said, no, you don't. No, you don't. He said, I would join a church like that. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all join a church that threw birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning? I got news for you. That is the kind of church that Jesus came to create. He came to create a church that was filled with people that move out into the world and bring celebration and joy into the lives of those who have nothing to celebrate and have no joy, to bring celebration to those who are brokenhearted and beaten down, to lift them up and give them some joy in their life. That's what you are called to do. You are called to be agents of God, to spread his love and his joy into a loveless and joyless world. That's what you're called to do. And if you surrender to Christ and let him cleanse you and let the spirit fill within you, his spirit will constrain you, says scripture, constrain you, drive you to do loving and joyful things in a world devoid of joy and love. Do you hear me? So, you... So, so you see Agnes and her friends? That's you and me, seated at the Messiah's table. Because honestly, in all of us, there are those broken, messy places. And the good news for us is this, that at the resurrection of the righteous, we all get to sit with Jesus at the seat of honor. That's why he came. He came to invite us and he came to take us to the dinner. And, and what he was saying to those who were listening, he's saying, if you don't receive my invitation and come with me, you'll never get there. And that's why these people are here, no matter how broken and how messy they are. To as many as received him, to those who believe on his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. That's us. And we get to sit at the big table. That's why this is a, a merry, lively, energetic, animated mass of Christ. It's his table. And he opens it up to all of us as we invite others to come with us. So I can't think of anything better to do this morning than invite you right now to stand. Would you do that? So, Merry Christmas. Welcome to the energetic, lively, exuberant table of the one who has invited us to be with him invited us to his banquet. Welcome to the Messiah's table. And at the Messiah's table, we sing.
And so will you join me and let's celebrate. I'll be right back up after this, but let's celebrate again this wonderful mass of Christ.
resurrection of the righteous we sit in the place of honor and I, I don't feel like I can just dismiss you today without giving you opportunity to understand that no matter how broken and messed up you are he's putting an invitation out to you to come sit at this table there's no rank here it's just people who need him so it's time for you to come to Jesus Say, but you don't know how bad I've been. I, I, I really don't, but he does. And he said, if you confess your sins and your faith, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. And he uses the word here, all. No exception. And the great thing about it is that when he does it, it's, it's immediate. He removes it. And then we learn how to live a whole new different life. And so... You can't leave here without beginning that process, that journey of, of, of letting that go and living in a, in a place that you know that when Jesus ends this, this world as we know it and changes it and, and creates a new heaven and a new earth, you get to sit with him in the place of honor. And so here's how we do this here, just so that, that you're encouraged and you know that this is community and all of us have got to, to come to the place where we say, Jesus, I just, I'm messed up, I'm broken. And, and, and Jesus is taking care of this. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to turn to the person next to you and just say, would you like to come to Jesus? And if that's you, you say yes, and then you and that person are going to come down here and just and stand here with me, and we're going to pray a prayer together. We're not going to single you out, not going to embarrass you, but, but we want to get you going on that journey. And so don't let anything stop you. Don't let any dinner reservation stop you, because dining with Jesus is so much more important than the Golden Corral, I'm telling you. It's in Scripture. <laughs> And you may not know the people next to you, but we're community. We're, we're friends, and, and we're connecting with each other this morning. So whether you're on the main floor, in the, lo in, in the lobby, in the balcony, in, in the galleries, would you just turn to the person and just say to them, would you like to come to Jesus? And when they say yes, you just come with them and just join me right here because we're family. So now just turn to each other. Ask the question, would you like to come to Jesus? You may have asked them before. Ask them again. It's a new day. Come on. And you answer yes and just join me right here. Yeah, that's good. That's good. If you're in the balcony, just come down those gallery steps and just join me right here. That's it. That's great. Yeah. If you were standing there and you said, uh, I'm just my first time here and I'm just I'm kind of weirded out, wasn't sure what you were doing, and now I see people down there and, and you haven't been mean to them and you want to come, you just turn to the person and say, come on, take me down there and, and we'll just wait for you. That's great. That's good. So this is the beginning of a journey. This, this, is, this is the realization that... 
Jesus tells the truth and he says, I actually went to the cross to take the sins you've committed to put on me and in exchange, I give you right standing with God. That's why you get invited to the party. That's why Jesus on the cross said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the isolation and the aloneness you feel right now with the life you've lived, Jesus carried it for you so that you can hang out with Jesus now forever and ever and he's gonna change you. You're not gonna be immediately perfect. Nobody in here is. But you're gonna be able now to, to become the person that God designed you to be in the very beginning. And he's gonna unleash you. He's gonna, he's gonna t- tear away all that junk that's held on to you and wouldn't let you go. In addition to that, he says, I'm gonna put you with a community that will walk with you so that you can make it together. So we're gonna pray a prayer that's, that's biblical and it's truth. And I want you to pray it from your heart it's your communion, your communication with Jesus. And these folks are going to encourage you by joining in the prayer with you because they've done this before. And it's, it's really good for us to reemphasize what Jesus has done in our own lives. So as I pray, I invite you to pray out loud too. So would you join me? Dear Jesus, I want a new life. I want to be with the resurrection of the righteous. I confess to you that I'm, I'm a sinner, that I'm messed up and broken. So I come to you to heal me, to put me back together again. Because you promised that if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all impurity. So I declare I'm a sinner and I believe in your forgiveness. You also promised that if I believe on your name, that you'd make me a child of God and that I sit at your table. In fact, I sit at your table right now. And for that, I give you thanks. Now teach me how to live this life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. That's great. So, Merry Christmas to you. Lively, happy Christmas to you. Welcome to the table. So what we want to do is we want to get going on this journey. We're going to take about three or four minutes of your time. We're going to invite you to just come up these steps to that door right there. Jason Hotchkiss is going to be right there. And in fact, you just want to head that way, and the folks that you're with will, will hang out with you or wait for you. So if you want to just go that way, that would be great. You already started before I got you going, but that's all right. Go. That's it. That's great. Thank you. If you came with these folks, just go by out in the lobby, have some coffee, hang out for a little bit. Right now, the, the, the light at, at Peach is being really weird. It gives about six seconds to get through, so don't even go that way. So you got time to wait. Well, I'm so glad that you're here today. And in fact, let me just give you some practical advice. In leaving today, it might be better if you use Robinson Road and come back down or head out to uh, Hershey or is that Hammett, whatever, Hammett, and go, go that way. And, um, and that way that you'll still feel at peace by the time you get at home. So glad that you're here. Please join us Christmas Eve. Four o'clock, six o'clock, four o'clock is our time for, uh, for child. You can have child care at that service up to or through age three. So, and remember, 100% of the people that you don't invite to come with you won't come with you. Did you get that? So invite somebody to come with you. 
on Christmas Eve. God bless you. Have a very Merry Christmas.